All right, everyone, welcome to episode 51 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. Mike, in one more episode, we will have an entire year's worth of content. And it's only taken us a couple years. It's only taken us, what, two and a half years yeah, or so? But. To do that. So, Mike, how are you today? I'm great, man. It's uh, It's been an awesome week. It has been. It's been a go-go week. So Yes, it has. I'm, I'm uh, trying to even just ponder all the things we've been trying to accomplish this week. <laughs> yeah. You know, for me personally, I just realized, I told you earlier that this is the first time I've been in my office this whole week. Mm-hmm. And Wednesday night was the only night I have slept in my own bed so far this week. Wow. So it is crazy. But you know, one of the cool things we did this week, just to catch everyone up, is uh, we got to do kind of a pastoral retreat. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of this week, uh, you took me to my first KOA experience. Yep. It was you, me, and Mr. Klukas. That's right. And uh, KOAs, man, those are interesting. It was good. Yeah. It, it was it was functional, right? So we, we got oh, a little yeah. cabin. We, uh, we spent a large part of it um, getting on the same page in terms of how we're working together, especially now that Steven's on board. And yeah. Spent a lot of it doing some pretty thorough evaluation of Alley and how we operate and trying to... St- set out some objectives and some goals and uh, and how to measure those for this next year. It's actually some pretty exciting things. Yeah, it was good. I, I love that we had an opportunity to kind of onboard Steven, especially with the way you and I kind of approach uh, productivity and some of the language and the culture that you and I share, because we, we're big fans of uh, Michael Hyatt and other productivity and gurus out there. And uh, Steven, you know, he comes from a background working for the TSA where he has some, like, he kept talking about Six Sigma, yeah. Lean Six Six Sigma. Yeah. I, actually, that's fascinating stuff. I, I've always wanted to learn that. Mm-hmm. And it's cool that we can kind of come together and learn a common language just to make sure that we are as, as being as productive as we can for the kingdom of God. Yeah. And honestly, I loved the opportunity we had to honestly SWAT our church. Uh, if you're not familiar with SWAT, it's strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Yeah. And uh, man, I... I think it has set us up for a really cool couple of years, honestly, as we look to what God has set before us for the opportunities to build his kingdom for his glory. Um, One of the cool things, though, that happened this last week is I got to introduce you guys to an air fryer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Need more salt. (laughs) That's right. Yes. And and the need for salt when we cook. But, uh, you know, this holiday season, I guess everyone got an air fryer. And I have, like, the OG air fryers. I brought that along for us to... To cook our meals with and stuff, and that was that was super fun. We had some potatoes and some Brussels sprouts in the air fryer. That was about it. And then you cooked some really good chicken on uh, on the grill there. Yep. So, but yeah, those were that was a good couple of days. And actually, Mike, do you want to speak to kind of like the uh, all the freshness that's happening at the Pacific Way campus? Yeah, we're in the middle of. Uh, kind of putting a, a new face on the sanctuary. Yeah. And so this is kind of phase one as we have set out to um, to relaunch Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we've stepped away from the bean, which we missed the bean and we missed that environment. And as that relaunch team, as they gathered this last year and through the spring and summer, they worked through what's the next season of Saturday night look like? And they came to the the conclusion that Saturday night should be at Pacific Way for, for a season, maybe a two. I, I don't know how long, but... But in that, they said, you know, we, we've got to we've got to clean it up. We've got to declutter it. We've got to um, spruce it up. And so, what we've done is we've got a brand new painted stage wall. Yeah, it really aids with video uh, substantially. It just looks really nice. Um, 
We're actually, we've hung some TVs now as our screens. Yeah. And those are going to serve, um, just kind of bring us into the 21st century. Also, that means that our cross is now prominently displayed um, during services, which is, you know, we had that during the Christmas season. And, and honestly, I really love that. Yeah. I think it's pretty yeah. cool to, to have that. We've, um, we've upgraded our lighting a little bit. We've painted the ceiling some. There's a bunch of cords that were hanging off walls that are now hidden and just some little things like right? the sound booth has been revamped and cleaned up and painted and carpeted and all that stuff. And so these things that, you know, when you do ministry, you just kind of go from one project to the next in terms of actual ministry. Sometimes it's hard to slow down and say, let's, let's spruce things up. And so that's what we've done. Yeah. It's been good. It's kind of, I, I, I make it akin to the idea of like when you're, when you're all living in your house and you put something down because oh, I'll come right back to this, but then like everything else starts to happen. Kind of like a junk drawer. Like you put something in that drawer and then off after a while, other things start to accumulate and you're just going and you're just used to it. But then now as we prepare for honestly growth and new people are coming into the church, we want to take fresh eyes and be like, man, we got to spruce this place up a bit. And that's, that's what we've done. And it's been exciting. It's been cool to see people come together and and take care of things that need to be taken care of. Uh, I actually, I really like seeing some of the youth with their parents come in and uh, take heat guns to the walls yep. and finally take down the uh, like VBS papers that were that have been glued to the wall for like two years now. So, so for those who don't visualize this, the walls in the sanctuary are brick. Yeah. And the, the habit has been to use hot glue guns to glue things to the walls. And uh, some of it is high enough that when VBS ends and people tear down all the paper, well, the paper sticks to the wall and the glue sticks to the wall. And so there's places where there's just a lot of glue and a lot of even paper and, and uh, you know, if your eyes are used to seeing it, it's not an eyesore, but your, if your eyes are fresh, you think what is going on here, and so it's just it's cleaning up. Yeah, so that's that's been super cool, and I, it's it's brought forth the opportunity for some people to come and work together and do things. Um, I, it's it's been fun. It's been fun working on those relationships and having work relationships. You know, like they say that uh, men they bond really well when they're side by side, and so we get to just hang out with other dudes and, and do that. And there are other you know ladies coming in, they're doing things too. But I, I guess speaking of relationships, that kind of goes into kind of our resolutions for today. Yeah, uh, we spent the last maybe we spent two weeks talking about Jonathan Edwards' resolutions. Yeah, uh, can, you kind of want to recap what we're doing because I know we took a week off to introduce Stephen Klukas and then we didn't record a, a week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We intended to and then with uh, getting out of town and all that we had a lot and part of that's me having maybe a little too much on my plate this last week and this week also. But uh, when it comes to Jonathan Edwards, he wrote out these 70 resolutions that he just says, I resolve to do this. I resolve to be this. I resolve to think this way and to act this way and, and to live this way. And so our first week, we just kind of did his overall life mission resolutions. And then the next week we did his time management resolutions. <clears throat> and then we introduced Klukas and all that. And now we're back. And so today we're basically, someone's already done the work of sorting through his resolutions and identifying ones that are about life management and ones that are about time. Well, Today, we're going to look at resolutions about relationships. Yeah, These are resolutions that he wrote in terms of how do I engage the people that God has placed in my life? And uh, this is really wise. It just kind of by way of introduction, I mean, most of us, we, we kind of, we get stuck in our head, in our busyness. We get stuck in the, the work situation or the family situation, and we don't actually stop and say, who do I actually want to be? And how do I actually want to interact with the people that God's placed in my life. And so this is a really helpful tool to just say, let me slow down. 
what, how do I resolve to act around the people in my life? Right. Yeah. And so, uh, so in that with these resolutions, um, I actually broke them up a little bit further and kind of combined a few of them. And so what we want to do today for our listeners is say, Hey, let's look at what Jonathan Edward was, what he resolved in for his relationships. And let's use this as kind of a launching pad for us to think about our relationships. Yeah. So we can kind of jump right in. The first few or the first two that he has that I, at least I want to look at are, are his re- resolutions to to do good and not to do ill mm-hmm. in terms of relationships. And so this is just kind of like the setting the, the table to say, in every one of my relationships, I want to be a, a force for good, not a force for evil. And so resolution 14 says, resolved never to do anything out of revenge. And then... Uh, resolution 33, if you want to read that one. Yeah, it says, resolved to do always what I can toward making, maintaining, and preserving peace when it can be done without an overbalanced detriment in other respects. Yeah. So these two combined, he's basically saying, you know what? Uh, revenge, well, revenge is, a, you know, what do they say? A, a dish best served cold. Right. <laughs> uh, this idea, like, the the base parts of our, of our being when we're wronged, mm-hmm. what do we want to do? We want to see people get their comeuppance, right? Mm-hmm. We want to, we want to, we want to get even with people. And usually, we don't want to get even. We want to make it worse for them, right? That is true. Yeah. Most of us don't really want justice in the biblical sense of like just retribution. We we want like you know, well, not an eye for an eye. We want you took my eye. I'm going to take your head off, right? Yeah. Like we yeah. want to just lay it on thick and. And this is not the Christian way, mm-hmm. right? You think about Romans twelve seventeen through twenty one. It says, "Repay no evil for evil." Uh, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is, it is written, Ven- Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's right. And this is obviously in light of, of the gospel, right? And so mm-hmm. this isn't just like, hey, here's how you should act. This is, here's how you should act in, in light of what Jesus has done for you. And I think about this and like, God says, vengeance is mine. And God could have had vengeance on me. He could have poured out his wrath upon me, but instead he allowed his wrath to be poured out upon Christ to be my savior, right? And so Jonathan Edwards, he picks up on this. He says, resolved never to do anything out of revenge. revenge. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I wonder for our listeners right now, who are the folks that maybe have, have grinded on your emotions, on your nerves, who have done wrong to you? You know, we, we've all been hurt. I, I would even apply this in the political sphere, right? with the, the polarized political ideologies right now, mm-hmm. that it's really hard to say I'm, I'm conservative and, and not want to seek revenge against mm-hmm. those who are liberal and those who are liberal to say I'm liberal and I want to seek revenge on those who are conservative. And um, some of the rhetoric coming out right now is basically like, let's, let's wipe the planet or let's wipe the country of, of those who disagree with me, right? Um, this is not the way of Christ. It's not. And it's interesting because from a political standpoint, we talk about these things and we tend to romanticize the idea of revenge. If you look in Hollywood, like one of the, the some of the best storylines are all about these guys who are trying to, something 
tragic has happened to them and their family. So this guy is now out for revenge or anything like that. And we, we glorify that, but really that's not a healthy thing at all. That's not what Christ would have us do. Yeah. So the flip side of this is 30, 33, where he says, resolved to do always what I can toward making, maintaining, and preserving peace when it can be done without an overbalancing detriment in other respects. So he says, I live my life to be at peace with all people. That's exactly what that Romans 12 passage says, yeah. as long as it doesn't compromise me in other ways, right? right. And so, what, what, I'm, example, what would be a way of uh, maintaining peace that compromises someone? Well, I, okay, so I actually, I, I just thought about this last night. This is a silly example, but like, you, you know that I've been trying to eat better. And so, and, but I was with family who didn't want to eat, but they've been eating whatever. And so instead of making a big deal and getting in a fight about what we should have for dinner or something, we just came to an agreement. I'm like, Hey, you know what? We can eat whatever you want to do. And I just made a choice to like kind of scrape off some of the things I could eat and I would uh, eat that. And so without sacrificing something I value right now and not, not eating certain things, we were able to find a, uh, an accommodation for, for each other, I guess. Or even now it could be like, if someone is, if you're dating someone and they want to push boundaries at some capacity, well, you know, you could find a way to live try to be at peace and try to find an agreement. But if they are pushing you beyond an area that you're godly, yeah, yeah, what's godly, well, then you're not going to have peace in that. You're not going to compromise that. And I think that's what Jonathan Edwards is talking about. It's like, I'll, I'll do whatever I can to live at peace with someone. But if you're asking me to compromise a core value that is, you know, biblical and, and spirit filled, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. It's kind of like another example is that you're at work and um, you find out everyone at work is uh, stealing something Yeah, and they say, Oh, you know what? This is, well, it's kind of our due. And you know what? This is, this is okay to do because you know, we, we don't get paid enough anyway. And, and you know, you, you don't want to not do it because then you're being an outsider. Right. Mm-hmm. And this would be a compromise and, and you, you know, you can go along to get along. Uh, but if you do that, you're compromising your values, you're compromising your, your calling, right? To live a holy life. And so that'd be another example. The, the, the examples abound. It says, I'm going to live at peace with all people. Now it doesn't mean I'm going to get up on a chair and start throwing things at people saying you thief and you, you know, it's how can I navigate this situation? Not so that I'm like damning everyone, but also at the same time, I'm not compromising myself. And, um, so that's, that's kind of resolved to do good and not to do ill. His next is interesting. In terms of relationships, he resolves to monitor his inner life. He resolves to really kind of look internally as he's going about life. And so um, let me see here. Why don't you read uh, Resolution 15? Yeah, okay. He says, resolved never to suffer the least emotions of anger towards irrational beings. Yeah. I like that. So a summary of this is he's resolving never to be angry toward people who are being stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And this, I mean, there's memes about this, right? Like stupid people and this and that Mm -hmm. and all that. And and yet his resolution, he recognized in his day, people acted foolishly. Mm -hmm. They acted in ways that he not only didn't agree with, but they were just, they they were outright irrational. Yeah. Right. And he says, I'm not going to allow that person to get under my skin. I'm not going to be angry about the stupidity of other people. And it's kind of like a badge of honor today to say, oh, these stupid people in my life, I'm, you know, I'm angry at them because they're so inferior to me. And like, it's almost, we get kind of 
get, get our high off of being superior for, cause other people are foolish around us. Right. And it's crazy. Cause we, you know, we've talked about outrage culture and all these things like that, but the idea of being upset in general, we seem like it's, the more we are upset about something, it, it seems like we have a, uh, a throne of which we can preach from. Yeah. And that's, that's the issue that we have right now. And imagine right now that if we were to intentionally be angry at every stupid person that you ran into, how exhausting would that be? You know, like, and yet that's what we tend to glorify right now. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I think part of this is, is remembering to be humble. Like <laughs> I'm sure there's people that have looked at me and said, man, Mike, you're being a fool right now. And there's people that have given me grace in those moments. Mm-hmm. And, and certainly the Lord has given me grace in my foolishness. And so how much better to see those people that are being foolish, even in their sin, and have compassion and love toward them and call them toward wisdom and obedience and repentance rather than just to you know, write them off or to yeah. chew them out or yell them out, you know, like... Mm-hmm. And then 59, then I'll read this one. It says, resolved. When I am most conscious of provocations to ill nature and anger. Okay, time out. He's saying, when, when I'm aware of, I'm leaning toward being in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. I'm leaning toward being angry and a bad temper. In, in those moments, here's what he resolves. That I will strive most to feel and act good-naturedly. He's saying, in those moments when I'm about to be a butthead, I'm going to do everything I can to to fight in my emotions, to to feel good naturedly, and then also in my actions. So if I'm sour and I'm upset, and you know, let's say you walk in and we start having a conversation, and I know I'm I'm on the verge of being a ill natured, he says, I'm going to do everything I can. To, to act good in that moment. Yeah. To show goodness to the people I'm interacting with, right? Yeah. It, it makes me think of, so at the at the house I live at right now, at one point in time, our, our washer was not working well. And I went through a very long process with a store in town to get a washer. And I came in there and there was a miscommunication between the storefront and the warehouse. And when I came in, the person who I was talking to, it was not their fault that something had happened. But as they were speaking to me, I looked at them and I said, I can tell right now that I'm about to get very upset. So it's probably best that we, you know, we just move this conversation along and we just resolve this. Just, well, what do you mean? I'm like, you, you may not want to ask me that right now. I can tell that I'm about to get irrational because I, I, I don't know about you, but I can feel yeah. when I'm about to just lose it and yeah. just fly off the handle and just be, and there's a part of me that's like, Okay, I got to hold on to that rational part just a little bit longer yeah. so I don't just <clears throat> lay waste to someone's self-esteem right now. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's kind of, I think what he's getting at is like, when you feel like, when you know, when you, that, 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 that tension in the back of your neck's coming, you, you're going to lose it. Let's maintain, like, let's, let's try to get away from this and try to, instead of living into, instead of allowing yourself to feel that, that culmination of frustration and anger, let's, let's work towards m- maintaining goodness in that. Every parent listening right now, they know exactly what we're talking about. Because parenting is a challenge. It, it is a is a challenge of your emotions. It pushes you to the edge and then beyond of being good natured, and it causes anger quite frequently, right? Because you, you have these these you know foolish children that you're working to discipline and train the foolishness out of them, and, it, and it's a challenge. And you know, I think we've talked about it on the, on the podcast before the the beauty of a parent timeout, <laughs> like. Hey, I'm, I'm going to take a few minutes. I'm going to go pray about this. And then I'm going to come and I'm, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk about this. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, instead of flying off the handle, 
and, and just giving it to your kid. And especially for kids, you know, they're, they're virtually powerless against you as a parent. And so you actually, that's one of those situations in life that you really can just wield, you know, obscene amount of power toward them. Um, and so this, he, he just recognizes when I feel myself going down that road, I'm going to battle against it. Mm-hmm. And then he continues it. And this is where it gets a little bit thick, but he says, yay, at such times, when these moments are happening to manifest good nature, though I think that in other respects, it would be disadvantageous and so as would be imprudent at other times. And, you know, you and I talked about this briefly beforehand, but this is basically saying in in those moments why I almost feel like it it would be advantageous for me to kind of go off my handle or or like these moments where I, I, maybe I do want to just lean in really thick and hard on, like to to really battle against that. At least is how I'm I'm seeing it. No, that makes sense because you... So I, I had these, this, I have this innate desire in me to when I argue, I like arguing because I like winning. And when I hear someone say something that's technically wrong, there's a part of me that feels like, oh, I can win this argument now and I can crush someone right here, right now. But all, everything that we're talking about right now is in the context of relationships right now. And I've learned from myself that if I value a person, I won't crush them at every opportunity just so I can be right. Especially if I'm being angry, if I'm being provoked to anger, I'm not gonna crush them just for the sake of crushing them. I, I wanna hold back and strive for peace. That's right. And this is actually, this is a mark of spiritual maturity. You know, in First Timothy 3, it's talking about elders and elder qualifications. And elders are, you know, they're, they're meant to be examples of spiritual maturity. And it says in verse two that they are to be sober-minded, self-controlled, and respectable. Right. And so this is that, that inner life working its way out and saying, I'm sober minded. I'm thinking clearly without this, this exterior influence or without this emotional influence, this anger rising up in me, I'm thinking clearly. And that means I'm going to be self-controlled. I'm going to control my mouth. I'm going to control my, my, my hands, my, my feet, my, my body language. And then ultimately that means we're going to act in a way that's respectable toward the, you know, the, the clerk at the, the story you were at yeah. toward your kids, toward your spouse, toward your coworkers that you'd want to say are irrational beings. And this is, so his resolution is to res- resolve to monitor your inner life. And that has a major impact on your relationships with those around. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, resolve to honor God. And this is my, my summary, resolve to honor God in all speech. And so you want to read verse or uh, not verse, but resolution 16. Yeah. Resolution 16 says, Resolved never to speak evil of anyone so that it shall tend to his dishonor more or less upon no account except for some real good. Yeah. So this is him saying, if I'm going to speak about someone, I'm not going to speak evil about anyone um, unless there's something good that would come out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like unless there's there's a compelling reason and that compelling reason is not they made me mad. <laughs> yeah. That compelling reason is maybe that they are they're dangerous to others. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, so-and-so, they're a violent person and you need to be warned of that, right? Um, it's kind of like with my kids. Like I, I want to have a pleasant atmosphere in my home with the way I speak. But if my kids run into the street uh, that's busy and dangerous, they're going to get a stern, loud voice from me. They're not going to get that all the time. And continuing this, um, 34 is to resolve resolve in narrations never to speak anything but the pure and simple verity. And so this is, I think, him referring to when he's speaking publicly, narrations. And, yeah, when he's telling stories. Telling stories or speaking. And he says never to speak anything but the pure and simple verity. And so this is, you know. Keep things simple and keep things 
honest and true. Don't not to over embellish stories just to make them more dramatic and make them better, but just yeah. speak it as it is. It's like I can I can just add a few details that aren't actually part of this story, but I can I can add it in a way that makes my story look so much better, oh, so yeah. much more enticing. And you know, that can be a a temptation. Actually I have a friend who um for a long time he did this in, in giant ways. Mm-hmm. And we kind of got to this point where I'd just say, hey, dude, is that the truth? And he would stop and say, no. <laughs> right? And, and he, he ended up repenting. Right? And, and it's a challenge because I think sometimes we do this because we want people to like us. We want to be interesting. And so we would, you know, make up a little bit of a lie within our story. Well, it's tempting, right? Especially when you're with friends and everyone's sharing stories and we're in this culture of like, well, they shared a story. Now I need to match that story or make a better story. And we just keep going back and forth. And if you want that attention in that, in that culture, you're going to start embellishing things. Like maybe that fish wasn't, you know, a couple pounds, maybe it was hundreds of pounds or, you know, it, it's just, it's just easy to go down that road. It's exactly where my mind went. Yeah. Should have seen this fish. I caught. you know, yeah, yeah. I just happened to not have a camera, but it was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> how about, uh, 58. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 58 says resolved not only to refrain from an air of dislike, fretfulness and anger in conversation, but to exhibit an air of love, cheerfulness and benignity. Yeah. And, and um, I'm going to add 70 to this and then we can break them, to get, break them down together. But he says, let there be something of benevolence in all that I speak, right? So benevolence is this idea of, of goodwill and generosity. Uh, benignity is like this goodness and this gentleness in it. And so he's saying, I'm not going to allow my, my language, my words to, to have an air of dislike like I'm always critical of things or fretfulness. I'm always worried about things or anger. I'm always mad about something. I don't want to be known as someone who is always grumpy or always worried or always angry, right? Instead, I want to be known as someone who, when I speak, it's like there's love Mm -hmm. and there's cheerfulness. There's goodness and benevolence flowing out of me. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's, it's not enough not to be negative, but to intentionally be positive or to speak in positive ways that that is uplifting. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, you know, I, I know people that are really good at just noticing the best in others and complimenting them. And I, I just love that trait in people that they always, they're always building people up. And that, I think that's part of this too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, a few passages in, in scripture, one James three, five, and six that, that links to this, it says, uh, speaking of the tongue, it says, so also the tongue is a small member Yet it boasts of great things. Mm. How great a forest <clears throat> is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. This is just a sobering picture of how dangerous our words can be. Yeah. How many of us have said something in the moment has come out of our mouth? We want to grab it and put it back in. How many of us have ruined a relationship or hurt a friend? How many of us have had consequences at our workplace or, or even damaged a church because of our words in a moment of, of emotional anger or whatnot, yeah. right? Or irrationality. And this, that, it's so convicting because there are people nowadays who are like, they, we, we glorify the person who quote unquote speaks their mind or without restraint. And we're like, you know, I want to be like this person and I'm just going to say whatever. And people just got to deal with it. 
that's not very wise. And it does a lot of collateral damage that people don't understand. I, I, I don't think Jonathan Edwards is saying, I'm not going to speak when I need to speak, but he's saying I'm being intentional and thoughtful of the way I do speak. And that's what we need more of, especially right. in this day and culture. You know, one of the things he's known for actually is, is his sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, which is a sermon that is a call to repentance. Yes. It's a call to turn to the gospel. And and it was really part of what sparked revival, right? Mm-hmm. And and so this is not like I'm, I'm going to, you know, guard my mouth and never say a hard word, saying the right hard word at the right time in the right way, not, not to just offend or not to hurt, but hopefully to help and to build people. I also think about Ephesians 5, verse 4, and, and just the way our, our habit of speaking. Why don't you go ahead and read that? Yeah, it says, uh, Let there be no filth, filthiness or foolish talk nor crude joking, which out of which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Yeah, and so uh, maybe even with guys, like this idea of, of filthy language. Locker room talk. Crude jokes, yeah. And it says, you know, you don't need to go there. You, to be a manly man, you don't have to go there. Now, there might be a time and a place for, for hard language, but you should be of a character that is very different, a character like Christ's. And, and that's really important to remember. Um, it's interesting. This is coming out on Monday, which means I'm speaking of the future right now, but it's going to be the past when this drops. I yeah. just like doing that. This passage is actually included in this weekend's message because we're talking about uh, you should not take the Lord's name in vain. And what does it mean to speak in a way that honors God and his name? And part of it is is kind of frivolous talk. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if you didn't listen, make sure you do. <laughs> um, let's keep going. Second to the last category in his resolutions about speech. He says, in his speech, he's resolved to honor his parents. Why don't you read verse or uh, resolution 46? 46? Okay. Resolve never to allow the least measure of any fretting or uneasiness at my father or mother resolved to suffer no effects of it so much as in the least alteration of speech or motion of my eye and to be especially careful of it with the respect to any of our family. Yeah. So it's interesting. He wrote these very wordy in his young twenties. Yeah. So this is as a, as a man, not as a 10 year old. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And, um, and he's saying in every manner that he has, from his speech to even a motion of his eye to be especially careful of respect to, to his family, specifically to his, his father and mother. This is the fifth commandment, right? Mm-hmm. Honor your father and mother, right? And so his resolution in speech is, is how am I going to talk to my family? So parents out there, how, how do you talk to your kids? Yeah. yeah, Are you setting the example for them and how they speak to each other? How do your kids hear you talk about other people? Are you setting the example for them? And then if you happen to be, you know, all of us are a child of someone, Mm -hmm. um, do I speak to my parents with honor? Are my words, the the words that show them dignity and worth, if nothing else, because they they raised me, because they brought me into life, because they sacrificed willingly or unwillingly for some of us, right? Right. But they sacrifice much to care for us. And so that means every one of our words, should be, we should be very careful in how we speak to, to our parents. And then the last um, resolution here, um, resolved, I, I would summarize it to have a default posture of grace and then allow duty to, uh, to bring about sternness. Here, here's what I mean. Resolution 66, resolved that I will endeavor always to keep a benign aspect 
an error of acting and speaking in all places and in all companies, except it should so happen that duty requires otherwise. So this is, what's his default? His default is an, uh, a speech and an attitude that is gracious, that is welcoming, that is upbuilding, that is generous, that is full of love and care and encouragement. This is what he's known for. This is the default. This is what we should expect. When someone interacts with me, I, I hope they expect to, to be encouraged. Yeah. But he says, except it should so happen that duty requires otherwise. Right. So duty is, in this, in this aspect, what is duty? Well, duty is with my kids. When I sit down with them and say, hey, the, the way you're talking to your sibling or the way you're treating this person or, or the way you're being drawn into gaming or whatever it is, listen, this isn't going to keep happening. Yeah. Duty is the expectation that comes with our roles. That's right. right? Yeah. So in pastoral ministry, sometimes duty is I'm not going to sit and have a happy joking time with someone when they're in the middle of their sin. It means I'm going to sit with them and say, listen, this has to change. I'm here for you. I've got your back. I will do everything I can to help you. But but the path you're walking, it's not okay. Mm -hmm. Sometimes duty is a supervisor with an employee, right? Or a husband and a wife. Like duty means sometimes the hard things have to be said. doesn't mean you're going to be mean about it. Right. Mean spirited about it. Uh, it means that you're not going to allow, I want to be a, a nice person mm-hmm. to overshadow the duty that is required. This is actually goes back to kindness. It does. Yeah. Cause you, we preached on kindness mm-hmm. when we did the fruit of the spirit. And this is such a key concept because kindness is you know, this generosity, mm-hmm. this attitude. And, and yet it doesn't prevent us from saying the hard thing when it needs to be said. Yeah. And saying the hard things that need to be said is an act of kindness when it's done in a, in a good spirit. Right. And that's, we're not doing our duty to do diligence, do diligence when we negate that. When we say, actually, we see that right now with um, some some broken families where, like, a parent instead of doing the, fulfilling the role of a parent, they are the friend of the child. So they're not doing their due duty for their child, and sometimes children are being raised not at all, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that's this is a posture of grace. Unto duty allows for sternness. And we have to be ready to be stern. So all of this to say is, is how are you thinking about your relationships? Are you planning ahead of time the kind of attitude you want to have? Say you're a dad or a mom and you're coming home from work. Think right now, what attitude do I want to display when I come through those doors? Am I going to carry whatever grumpiness I have from work with me into the house? Maybe you need to think, what, what, kind of, what kind of posture am I bringing to the relationships of the people I work with? Yeah. Am I, am I knowing, knowing there as someone who no one wants to talk to? Or am I knowing there as someone who's full of that, that grace and that generosity and that encouragement that sees the best in people? And even in, when duty requires it, I, I still am showing that I care. You know, think about with the spouse. Mm-hmm. Usually the people that you're closest to are the people you take the granted the most and you don't think about them and you don't think about how you're acting. You just kind of, you, you let all your guards down. What a danger to let the, the people that are closest to you not experience the, the right kind of relationship with you. And so this is, this is helpful for me at least to think through all those different categories in my it life. Is. And it's a good reminder too. I like what he had to say, especially about, I don't know, just 
making sure that we're not speaking ill will of people. I, it's it's easy, I think, in churches sometimes to uh, to gossip. And especially for me, there are times when I'm like, I want to talk about someone and I have to think of myself, well, is there actually a point to talking about this person right now? Or is it just, I just want to trash talk someone. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's I, I love his resolutions to always be mindful of like, why why am I speaking about this person right now? Because I, you and I are in positions where sometimes we, actually, we, we know about the worst parts of a lot of people. And that's, that's they they trust us with that and that's and it's an honor and it's a privilege and there are times i get frustrated and i just want to smack talk someone and it, it's good to remember like don't let's consider our roles and with our duty do what needs to be done yeah those relationships are really important and i think i think you know for many of our listeners actually they're part of valley right if you, so if you're part of valley maybe one of the ways we can conclude this is is think about how you interact with people are you fostering relationships with people are you approaching relationships with what you can give mm-hmm. in those relationships or with what you can get? Are you, your relationships just strictly where you come to complain or to gossip? Mm-hmm. Or are you actually building people up? And, and I think this comes back to one of these, you know, primary values of our, of our team, at least, is to assume the best. Yeah. And, and if you do that, your relationships will go a long way. That's good. Mike, thank you for bringing these. How many? So we've done this for three weeks now. We got like another two more weeks on on Jonathan Edwards resolutions. Well, truth be told, we could have uh, two, four, like seven more weeks if we wanted to. Oh wow! So some of these break up into different categories. We could talk about suffering, uh, character, assurance. We could talk about combine like scripture, prayer, and the Lord's day. We could talk about righteousness and the mortification of sin, which is the killing of your sin and communion with God. And so we, we got a few decisions on how we're going to tackle okay. some of these. We might not handle all of them. We'll see. I, I like that we've been talking about them, though, because the idea of resolved, resolution, like intentionally standing for something, as in, like, these are the things I'm about. And, you know, I, I know we started this at the beginning of the year, and it, they're loosely tied to the idea of New Year's resolutions. Really, they're not. But I like the idea that here is an amazing man of God who was intentional about living a godly life. And that's a, that's a lesson for us to reflect on how are we resolving to reflect our God and our creator. And so I, I let's, let's keep on going down these, man. Yep. These are in, I think we, we talked about life resolutions, not yearly resolutions, not new year's resolutions that are gone by February, but Mm -hmm. these are life resolutions as you're just intentionally saying, who am I, who has God called me to be? And how does that impact the people I, I live in community with? And so it's good. What do you say we pray? Yep, let's do it. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for um, I thank you for your word. And God, I thank you for how much of your word is reflected in the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. And so, Father, whether or not we um, we like his resolutions, I pray that we would love your word. And I pray we would be resolved to live according to your word, especially today as we consider the relationships we have, the people that we get to care for and the people that we love, the people that we get to work with, the people that annoy us, the people that we we find are irrational. Lord, all of these different relationships we have, our children, our, our parents, our, our, um, our siblings even, Lord, I pray that we would have this, this default posture of goodness and doing good toward all. I pray in those moments where we, we require to be stern, uh, I pray that you would give us such wisdom so that we can really always be a benefit to the people around us, not just for their benefit, but really for you and your glory, that you would be seen 
as, as the God of our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.